Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter, and me, Courtney Fogel. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, on this episode of PR Hangover, we have a guest with us to talk about crisis communications. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, Courtney, thank you for having me. My name is Jeff Gaunt. I am a director at Lambert Edwards, which is a public relations and investor relations firm here in Grand Rapids. Awesome. Thank you for coming. So I'm really excited to talk about this because the Starbucks discrimination crisis is obviously really relevant right now as they're having their shutdown on Tuesday the 29th. So I was wondering if you could maybe speak on that crisis and their response to the issue. Sure, I can um, tell you what I've read about Starbucks, um, but I guess first what I would say, having worked on a lot of crises in a lot of different industries, is I guarantee there's a lot going on behind the scenes oh, that definitely. that we're not aware of. Um, whenever I go in to help a company or a client manage a crisis, uh, we're thinking not just how do we communicate through the media, but what other stakeholders do we need to reach? How do we reach employees? How do we reach potentially shareholders, board members, uh, you know, other constituents? So I know Starbucks must be doing a lot of that. I know what I've read in the, in the paper, and I can speak a little bit to that. Um, I would say Starbucks is, it, the response has really been textbook. Mm-hmm. They acted quickly. They did something different and comprehensive across the business. The decision to shut down 8,000 stores, Mm -hmm. to have bias training. Um, In crisis communications, we think about who are the partners that we can work with on an issue. Uh, I know in the case of Starbucks, they have uh, talked to the NAACP. They've got common um, as part of their curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, other civil rights groups. So they're working collaboratively with partners uh, to develop a curriculum that they think will be important to share with employees. So I would say from the beginning, acting quickly uh, is extremely important. Making a bold step uh, by uh, shutting down the business for uh, bias training, and, and then really not stopping there. Uh, if you look just within the past week, they announced a new policy um, in terms of how uh, guests to Starbucks are treated or what they can do. Um, basically, you can hang out at a Starbucks without having to buy something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use the restroom at a Starbucks without having to be a paying customer. So it's not just the bias training it's also what are the additional policy steps that you're making and then in terms of what we're here to talk about today how do you communicate that right do you think that backlash from consumers um if that persists for an extended period of time that that will cause more like more of a response from starbucks or do you think that what they're doing now is beneficial um I think what what they're doing now is beneficial if if you can sit, continue to see say criticism mm-hmm. from from the stakeholders that you care about or in the case of Starbucks from their consumers you have to ask yourself why mm-hmm. uh, wh- what aren't we doing 
what more could we be doing or should we be doing? Um, there's always, there are always going to be critics, especially when you're a company as large as Starbucks. Mm -hmm. You're going to take criticism. The question is, is that criticism valid? Um, have we attempted to respond and do we continue to attempt to respond to that criticism? So I guess in answer to your question, I would say we'll wait and see. Uh, so far, I think by and large, the feedback has been very positive mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what Starbucks is doing. There may be questions down the road if they could do more, but uh, kind of get through next week and, mm -hmm. and continue to keep our eye on it. I read today that the executive from Starbucks is actually personally going to help the two men that were arrested with their this program that they're trying to initiate. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's pretty cool too, just because it's like it adds a little bit more of a personal and intimate touch, I guess, to the situation instead of just like doing it by the book. It, it does, and I, I would say companies that respond to crises well do it on a number of different levels. Mm -hmm. um, at its core, a, a response should be personal and human, mm -hmm. and, and the more personal and human a, a company can come across, I think the better that, that they'll tend to be perceived uh, when dealing with a crisis. But there's no one answer, and I guess that's why I like working in crisis communications mm -hmm. because um, everything is case by case. There, there's no playbook. Mm -hmm. uh, as much as we try to script mm -hmm. responses or strategies in advance, the fact is uh, when you're in it, it's going to be fluid. Uh, you've got to be willing to be adaptive. Mm -hmm. I think that's true even more today as you see additional communication channels, uh, the rise of social media, different ways you can communicate, mm -hmm. different tones. Uh, if we think of traditional media and a media statement you might give in response to a crisis, uh, that we tend to wordsmith those. Uh, right. They can be very corporate. That's not something that necessarily plays well if we're talking about Twitter. Mm -hmm. So how does our tone on Twitter differ from our tone if we're responding to, say, a question from the Wall Street Journal and New York Times? Yeah, definitely. That makes a lot of sense. Do you think that for like if you're representing different companies and then like maybe they have the same issue, you would react differently for each company? Like have a different tone, I guess, and um, follow their tone? Potentially. Yes, we would always try to follow a company's tone. So mm -hmm. when we talk to clients, we talk about using an authentic voice. The voice that Starbucks uses is going to be different than the voice that a Southwest Airlines uses. Right. That's going to be different than uh, something that a JP Morgan Chase or, mm -hmm. or other uh, large financial institution would use. So we always want to use an authentic voice. Uh, the responses and the ways that we respond will be different by company. Um, but then again, there are also some parallels. Mm -hmm. um, and when we go into a crisis, uh, we have a very deliberate set of questions that we're asking uh, immediately to try to get the four corners of an issue, understand what we're dealing with, understand all of those who are impacted uh, mm -hmm. and how we can best reach them. So I guess going along with that, what are some of the best practices in order to respond to a crisis? So always have a plan. 
Um, uh, and I can tell you often that doesn't happen. Uh, it's easier to know you need to plan for a crisis when you're in a crisis, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, but we do work with companies. Uh, maybe they had something on a smaller scale and they want to be prepared if there's something, if they're facing something more significant. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll work with them to look around the corner, to plan ahead, uh, to ask the questions about who do we need to be communicating with? What do we need to be saying? Um, going through a risk analysis. So what are potential areas uh, that we could be vulnerable? If you think about a Starbucks or, or something where you have uh, consumers coming into your physical spaces to make purchases, then we know we can have risk ar around that anytime mm -hmm. we're in interacting with consumers. So we can begin to plan ahead and think, first, is there more that we need to be doing now? Uh, around around training, around our, our policies. And then secondly, if something happens, what are we going to do about it? And you can start to game plan um, some of that. Hopefully you're going to ward off issues before they happen. Right. Uh, but we know bad things can happen to good companies and we need to know how we're going to respond if something happens as well. So do you think that one employee can damage the entire reputation of a large company like Starbucks? Absolutely. Um, I've worked with clients on issues uh, where one employee might have been involved and uh, it necessitated a response from that company mm -hmm. and they had business risk associated with the issue. Um, I think there are many different ways that one employee can impact a company. It may be a case where that employee is uh, the face of the company and that employee uh, or owner is so inextricably tied uh, to the company that they alone um, can uh, cause business risk. Mm -hmm. If we think of Elon Musk uh, with Tesla right now, very different response than what we've seen with with Starbucks. In mm -hmm. their case, there's there's criticism about their technology. There's been criticism about uh, safety record at the plant. Elon Musk's um, response so far, or, or most recently, has been to criticize the media. He's getting a lot of blowback or pushback from that. But when you think that company, you think him. Mm -hmm. So it may be a case where that one employee is so... Um, has such a high-profile position that their actions can cause risk for the company. Or it could be a, um, any employee, even in a large company, that does something that the company, um, that either gains, gains attention, mm -hmm. often through well, the media or social, social media, media yeah. absolutely. Um, it may be something they posted themselves uh, that was inappropriate. I have worked on issues like that. Um, or it may be something that shows something inappropriate happening in that company. Mm -hmm. um, in that case, a, a company, well, they have a problem. They have something they need to respond to. It can also be a crisis if it's improperly managed. Right. Um, you may cause greater business risk because of a poor response to to an issue like that. Mm -hmm. So yes, one employee absolutely uh, 
uh, it can pose risk to a company. That makes sense. So I guess following that, what major implications can occur if a company just kind of pushes something under the rug or just doesn't talk about an issue, Mm -hmm. especially with social media and especially with like, I mean, a lot of people have been going viral just because of their opinions on certain issues. So how does that, how does social media impact the response? So uh, a few things there. I, I would say today companies, unlike say definitely 10 years ago, but even five years ago, companies today at least need an understanding of the way that social media can impact their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often get the question from companies that are not on social media, or maybe they're on Facebook but not Twitter, um, mm-hmm. or they're not on Instagram. Um, they say, "Should we be?" In yes. <laughs> often, often the answer is yes. The answer also has to do with well, where are your customers? Mm-hmm. Are your customers talking on Twitter? Uh, are your stakeholders talking on Twitter? If so, then yes, it's important for you to at least have an awareness of, if not participate in those conversations. Um, so the first thing is companies today have to have a greater awareness uh, of the, the various ways that um, people are talking with them or potentially interacting with them. Now the question is, say I get criticized on Facebook, should I say something? Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, can you say something productive? Is right. it important that you engage in that discussion? Mm-hmm. Um, are you already on that platform in the first place? All of those questions can can change what we would say strategically to a company about whether they should engage mm-hmm. uh, in a discussion. Companies that want to push things under the rug or ignore things. I mean, we would always encourage companies to be open, be honest, engage with your stakeholders. Um, Ultimately, we think that is going to serve them the best uh, in, in dealing with and managing a crisis. So we would never encourage a company to hide from something. Now, there are times where the nature of the discussion is such that if a company steps in, it's not going to be productive. Mm-hmm. It's not always productive. I mean, even in your personal life to get in an argument on Facebook, right? right? Or go back and forth on Twitter. And the same is true for companies. Sometimes they can't be uh, productive in those channels, and so we wouldn't encourage them to. Right. Um, but we would never encourage them to hide from the discussion. I had a job and my boss would always tell me that the customer is always right <laughs> whether or not they were actually right. Do you think that that's relevant into this type of situation? I would say um, customers don't always think the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, we would always encourage companies to listen to what's being said about them. Uh, they don't have to agree. Right. It's not, uh, and they don't necessarily have to make changes or operational changes, but they should listen. They should do what they can to understand uh, where the grievance is coming from or where the complaint is coming from and really do a self-assessment or self-reflection to determine is there validity to this? And if so, what can we do about it? 
do you think um, I'm gonna kind of switch gears here sure do you think that Starbucks particular crisis will impact other businesses and how they respond to their own crises absolutely um, so the there's always the question uh, whether it's from customers or, or the media or others could you have done something to prevent this or should you have known this was coming in the case of anyone who comes after Starbucks or Starbucks themselves uh, the answer more often than not is going to be yes now because we've seen what happened mm-hmm. so Starbucks is shutting down 8,000 locations to talk about bias. Right. If I'm another coffee chain, uh, coffee shop, I'm looking at my policies. What are my policies for customers coming and, and sitting and maybe not purchasing anything? What are my restroom policies? What, what sort of bias training have I offered my employees? Because if I'm not doing that, and something happens, the question's going to be why? Right. You saw what happened to Starbucks. Why didn't you know better? And that's that's always the case, uh, or I would say that's often the case with crises. If there's ownership, uh, and we talk about crisis, crisis ownership a lot in crisis communications, but if there's ownership, in other words, if a company is at fault and another company sees that and doesn't make similar changes, uh, those questions are going to be more difficult to answer the second time around. Mm-hmm. So the, the, th- the priorities that were listed by Starbucks were addressing implicit bias, preventing discrimination, promoting conscious inclusion, and ensuring safety. Mm-hmm. Um, can we kind of go through those? Because, the, I mean, I guess they're kind of like, kind of broad in a sense, but mm-hmm. they're also a reflection of what happened. Sure. Um, and all very important goals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the question is, how, how do you drill down on any one of those, mm-hmm. right? I mean, companies will say, we want to prevent d- discrimination. What does that look like for our company? Mm-hmm. And I think that conversation for Starbucks, I'm sure it's been happening internally. It's going to happen on a, a more broad level uh, next week when they when they go through the training. And it will continue to happen uh, even when those stores reopen. So the question is, what do each of those things, addressing implicit bias, preventing discrimination, promoting conscious inclusion, ensuring safety, what do they mean for Starbucks and where does the discussion go um, from here? I, I will say, because the question has been asked, is, is it enough to, to shut down stores on one day uh, to really affect change? Mm-hmm. And I would say, the answers, this is about creating a cultural shift right. uh, within the company. And you can't create um, a cultural shift in a day, but you also can't begin to change that those mindsets if you don't start. Mm-hmm. So I think for Starbucks, they would see this as a beginning and those conversations will continue to play, uh, take place over time. Mm-hmm. 
it's interesting because these employees, since they are most of them minimum wage employees, how can how can they, you know, just be held accountable for their actions with this training, and will it actually make an impact? And so I guess we'll have to see how that goes, but it probably is a good step for them to try to initiate some sort of change. When you think about it, when I think about Starbucks, I don't think about Howard Schultz, right? I, I don't think about the CEO. I don't think about senior leadership. I, I think about the baristas. I think mm -hmm. about the people that, that give me my coffee. So to me, they are the face of the company. Right. And so I think that's why it's important and that's why Starbucks is having this conversation with the people who really to the consumer are the face of that company. Mm -hmm. And I think any company uh, in a retail space or a consumer facing space needs to be thinking about who are effectively our brand ambassadors, who do people interact with. Um, at Starbucks and how can we give them the professional development, the training that they need to do their jobs effectively. Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else to add? I guess I would say thinking about crisis communications generally. So I think it's pretty cool um, at Grand Valley that you're having conversations about crisis communications. Mm -hmm. So I, I sort of got to this uh, career in a very roundabout way. I didn't know crisis communication existed. I didn't know it was a thing. Uh, I wasn't in public relations. So I started out in the media. Uh, mm -hmm. I was a reporter for a daily newspaper in the Chicago area. Then I went to work for the state legislature, the state senate uh, in Illinois, and began to work on policy issues. Uh, I wrote laws and uh, helped to communicate about those, the changes that we were making in Illinois. Uh, and then I moved to Thailand and mm -hmm. I worked for the prime minister in Thailand. Okay, wow. And <laughs> when I was there in Thailand, uh, that's when I really started to think about crisis communications. As a reporter, I'd done a lot of investigative work. When I was with the Senate and then when I was in Thailand, I was often helping to strategize around problems or issues. Okay. So I was trying to think, if we've got a problem, what are we going to do? Or what problems could we have that we need to be prepared for? And over time, as you, when you're sitting in Thailand and all of the uh, TV shows are in Thai and, mm -hmm. and I don't speak Thai, uh, I had a lot of time on my hands. So I read a lot of books. I rented a lot of movies. I went to a lot of movies. Um, and I sat around and thought. And what I thought is, I really like working on problems. Mm -hmm. I, I really like thinking through a problem and trying to solve for it. I wonder if there's a job like that. Mm -hmm. And so I started researching. I stumbled on crisis communications, sort of fit. And so when I came back to the United States, uh, I researched companies that specialized in crisis communications, and eventually I worked for one. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's how I got into the field. But I think it's cool that, A, you have a podcast like this, um, that you're, you're communicating on issues, and B, that part of your curriculum is crisis communications. Because now, if that's something that interests you, uh, you don't have to take a path that I took 
uh, to learn that it's even a thing, mm-hmm. Try to discover uh, it. It, it, you've got resources and you can learn about it now. So mm-hmm. Definitely. I think, well, everybody deals with different crises. Like every company, there's always going to be something that goes wrong and they're going to need some help because a lot of times I don't think people that want to start a business or something actually think all of that through. And then they're like, uh-oh, now what do I, what do, I do? I need to make a plan. And that's exactly right. And we encourage companies or potential clients to call us before they have a problem. Mm -hmm. Because we know in any industry there are certain inherent risks. And there are risks around any type of business. So what we like to do is sit down, usually with senior leadership or the C-suite or the CEO and, and his or her lieutenants, and we go through what we call a discovery session. So we ask them questions about uh, what are their risks? What could happen? Or what business practices does that company have that if they told their neighbor about it or they told somebody who's not working there on a day-to-day basis, that person might be surprised Mm -hmm. or shocked. And then why does that business practice exist like that? Can we change something now? Do we need to be prepared to communicate about it uh, if it's if, if it's learned? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we like to sit down and have those conversations because in, in part, not just to get us up to speed on the company, but it also gets them thinking about what should we be doing or how can we think differently about reputation management and crisis management and issues management. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important, and I never, never really thought about how it would relate to politics, but it kind of does because when somebody's, you know, running for a different position or something, a lot of times people want to dig up their dirt and try to figure out something that's negative about them. And so I'm sure that with politics, reputation management also would go through that same thing. Like, can you tell us if there's anything we need to know now before it comes out later, so that we can plan for it? Yeah, there's a, a lot of parallels between what you would see on a, co- a corporate side and what mm-hmm. you would see, say, in the political arena. Many of the questions that we ask are the same, mm-hmm. and I've worked on both sides. I ran a state senate campaign okay. in, in Illinois. I did a lot of political work in Illinois. But again, it's what can go wrong, what, what has gone wrong, and what can we do about it, and what should mm-hmm. we say about it. So... Yes, definitely. I guess while we're talking politics, the the Starbucks issue is a political issue. Mm-hmm. And so their response to it, do you feel like they, how did they stay neutral with like the varying sides of the spectrum? So I, I think companies need to find their North Star, right? Mm-hmm. What is doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, regardless of what what people on across the political spectrum may may say, so think about that first. What should we be doing? Um, and to some extent, other things may fall in place. Now, I think today there's always a risk, especially the way things move on social media, the way things can go viral. Right. Um, you know, politicians are going to weigh in, and and that's another constituency. And we need to be thinking: is there something more we should be saying to them? 
uh, to politicians, to elected officials, are there policy solutions around these issues mm -hmm. that we can throw our weight behind? Uh, regulations that we support, regulations that we think uh, hurt us or make an issue worse. Um, so I think there's always an opportunity for companies to be thinking about those implications as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, one question, it's kind of a little bit strange. Sure. Um, how does it feel to represent somebody, say, say they do something bad? Mm -hmm. and they're, they're trying to recover from it. How does it feel ethically to be behind them and have to help them get out of their situation? That's a good question, and there are a couple different ways to think about this. Um, w the first is, it's not so different uh, from what an attorney might do. Okay. And our belief would be everyone is entitled to good and fair representation. Mm -hmm. And that would be true in court, and that would be true in the court of public opinion. Mm -hmm. So in the first instance, I, I would say that even companies that do something wrong uh, would be entitled to fair representation. Now, it, we can take that a step further because there are companies that do something wrong and want to make it right. And there are companies that do something wrong and want to hide or obscure that. Right. With the latter, uh, we likely, well, we wouldn't work with them. Or if we found ourselves in a situation we, where we were working with them, uh, that would likely be a a case where we would say um, we are unable to help you gotcha. if if we're not doing the things to make whatever the problem is right mm -hmm. uh, there's not a lot uh, strategically that we could say and then ethically uh, certainly that would be something that would be uh, we would think about as well so but there are many, many other cases, and I would say uh, more than nine times out of ten, it, it's a company that unintentionally did something wrong mm -hmm. or found themselves in an issue uh, through no fault of their own mm -hmm. and is trying to make it right, trying to do the right thing, trying to communicate with the people who are uh, affected or impacted. And that's where we can provide the most value. Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you for coming today and thank you for talking about this. I think that it's really interesting. I think a lot of people will be excited to listen to the kind of behind the scenes about such an important issue in PR and something so relevant with the Starbucks crisis. And Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's been great talking to you yes. today. It's a... It's, uh, obviously a topic that's very close to, to my heart. I really enjoy mm -hmm. crisis communications and I would always be happy to come back and talk. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm going to plug your Twitter handle. If you, ha you have Twitter, I'm, I'm assuming. I do have Twitter. I am not very active on that's it, okay. but it is uh, at J Gaunt. Okay. Uh, first initial J, last name Gaunt, G-A-U-N-T. Awesome. And then you work at Lambert Edwards and Associates? Lambert Edwards, yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, if anybody has any other questions, can ask you. Um, Absolutely. Awesome. We're always available. Awesome. I appreciate your time. All right. Thank you.